Hi, this is a message from Life Church Leeds. We hope it encourages and helps you. Matthew 22, verse 34 to 39 is where we're going today. We touched on this two weeks ago, <clears throat> and we're going to read this passage again. It says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them was an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first, and it is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. For all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And then just flick over to 1 John chapter 4, which is towards the end of your Bible, or you can listen to me or follow on the screen. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to verse 12. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another. Everyone say, love one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. Don't do the chat up line just yet. <laughs> for love comes from God. For everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to what? Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. <laughs> How many feel a bit awkward right now? That's good, that's my aim. For no one has ever seen God these are good verses, by the way. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives, us, God lives in us and love is made complete in us. John is basically saying no one has ever seen God, but they see God through the love that is in you. So actually, we do see God, not in his physical manifest form. We see God through the love manifested in your life. Then just a few verses on to verse 19. We love because he first loved us. For whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. And John is writing here to brother and sister in Christ, which would mean anyone who is in the family of believers. But you could also talk, you take that naturally in terms of your natural brother and your sister. Let's just encompass it all this morning. I want to ask this question this morning to us in church, not just because it is the Valentine's weekend, but I think it's been a while since I've kind of taught on anything like this. And um, next week, in fact, Ariana Walker is going to be speaking here. And she's going to be helping us and, and teaching us really well in terms of uh, relationships and, and, and love and aspects of this. And so uh, I'm going to kick it off today and it's going to be brilliant next week. But the title I want to ask you of, ask this morning is, how is your love life? <clears throat> I think it's a good title. How is your love life? Some of you would say it's 
oozing, surplus. It's in the overflow. How those who normally talk as as often those who are lacking in it, so maybe, you know, (laughs) compensating. If I asked others of you, how's your love life? Some of you like, it's non-existent. Slightly awkward. (laughs) How's your love life? I think it's a good question. And I want to kind of dig into this this weekend. Because this this has been like Valentine's weekend on on Friday. And um, I'm sure some of you enjoyed maybe some time with your wife or your husband or your boyfriend, girlfriend, or maybe as a family. Maybe you didn't do anything. Maybe you did something. Because like Valentine's Day is one of those days, like some people love it. Put your hands up if you love it. (laughs) All the married people. (laughs) And some people hate it. Put your hands up if you hate it. Mm. Okay. For those of you that love it, the reason you love it is probably because there's thought that goes into the day. There's, 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 there's value attached to the Valentine's Day. There's like emotion. There is, you know, putting someone before you and buying something and showing them your love and you are thought, thinking of them. You buy them flowers and you buy them a car the day before. And so there's just thoughts. Some of you are like, yeah, I like that feeling. Others of you don't like it because you feel like it's commercialized and it makes you feel thick. Seeing all lovey-dovey people on Valentine's Day loving each other, but then the next day they're killing each other. (laughs) So some of you hate it. I think it's a waste of money and uh, it's just a you know, a whole thing. In fact, I read about Valentine, Saint Valentine, if you didn't know, was a Christian guy who led many to the Lord and was an amazing guy, actually a single man. And you can read about the story of Saint Valentine. It's quite a phenomenal um, story, how it's kind of become what it is. But whatever your thoughts, we have been built as human beings to crave and to desire love. We have. And so you might sit here today as kind of like a stone cold, <laughs> I don't need this, I, I'm not really into this, but at deep down in your soul, all of us desire and all of us crave love. And in the great words of wet, 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 <laughs> I feel it in my fingers, I feel it in my <laughs> this love that's all around me. And so the feeling, you know I love you, I always will. My man's made up by the way that I feel. There'll be no beginning and be no end. Cause on my love, you can depend. In fact, Friday night, Valentine's night, I was in a travel lodge in Kings Lynn, Norwich, because I went to see Liverpool play Norwich. And so that's where I was at Valentine's night, but it was Abs' gift to me. <laughs> Jesus is bringing something into the kingdom 
of God in the great commandment that was known and experienced. Love is not like a new thing, okay? Love is like been here since dot. But he is bringing it into the kingdom and he is not just kind of, love is not just like playing a part in the kingdom. It's almost like he is getting love and he is placing it smack bang in the center of the kingdom of God. It is like this huge stake that he's placing bang in the middle of the ground, in the middle of the center of our faith, the center of our spirituality, the center of our church, the center of our relationship with God, the center of humanity is love. And he's saying it starts off in your love relationship with God, with God himself, and then it also extends into your love relationship with your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Really, those other people that are in your world. And so what Jesus is saying is most important when it comes to love, because the 12 commandments that are given from God to Moses don't actually contain the word love. They have aspects to it where there should be no other gods before me, like we spoke two weeks ago. And there were other commandments in the 613 commands, um, in the 613 laws that Moses was given. And one of them was, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And so Jewish people would would speak that out and and, and repeat that. And so they were aware of what Jesus was saying. But in, in fact, the actual 12, it's not there. And so when they are saying, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus is saying, love is the greatest commandment. He's saying what is most important is these three things. And this is the three things I want you to go home with today and ask yourself, how is your love life in these three areas? Number one, your love for God. Number two, your love and acceptance of yourself. And number three, your love for everybody else in your world. Your love for God, your love and acceptance of yourself, and your love for everybody else in your world, where love becomes the leader of your life, not the follower, but where love leads in your conversation, where love leads in your direction, where love begins to lead you in every aspect. And Jesus is speaking in a divided culture then, because the culture was divided when Jesus is speaking this great commandment, and it is also speaking, guess what, in a divided culture now. How many of you know our culture is divided? Our society is divided. And if love is not the driver of our lives, then division will always lead. If love is not at the center of this church, then guess what? Division will follow. But when love is at the center and love begins to lead, it begins to help us in unity. But Jesus is speaking into divided culture then and now, because wherever there is division, what it leads to is hate. And so in our society now, we're aware of hate crimes. We're aware of hatred, which is communicated often through cowards on phones and sending messages and tweets and and things like that to people because it's a divided world that we live in and it leads to hate. And Jesus is speaking and he's saying love needs to be at the center of it all. Psalm 133 verse one says, how good and pleasant it is when people live together in unity. It's good and pleasant. How do you live together in pleasantness and unity because love becomes the leader of our society. Love becomes the leader of our lives. 
So when we look at Leeds, when we look at the United Kingdom, when we look at the world and we see the division and we see the hatred and we see that brothers and sisters are not living together in harmony and unity, it is because there is division and division will always lead to hate. And so you might be here today and I've asked you, what's your love life with God? Some of you might say, my love life with God is strong, solid. I love him. I'm like committed to him. I want to follow him. I want to obey him. And if I said, what's your love like with yourself? You might like, well, my love life with myself is healthy. And I'm encouraging you today where you strengthen your relationship and your love life with God, that your love life with yourself becomes healthy. That's a key word. And your love life with others is growing. And I say that because how many of you know you need to grow in your love for others? Most of us don't wake up in the morning going, who can I love today? In terms of your relationship with God, it's strong. Your relationship and your love life with yourself, healthy. And your love life with others, I want to ask you, can it become something that grows? Because if I asked you in all of those three areas, where would it be? Some of you, well, it's strong here and it's weak in other places. And in my experience, they are all connected. And in my experience, it is possible to live a life of love. I'm not the best at it, and I'm not an expert at it at all. But I think Jesus is telling us something here, which is not impossible for us to do. I think he's saying, you know what? You can love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can do that. And second, you can love your neighbor as you love yourself. He's not giving commands which are impossible to achieve. He is giving realistic Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time-based goals, smart goals to help us in our walk of humanity that this is possible because John then goes on to say, whoever does not love, does not love God. Why is that? Because this love that we have comes from a knowledge and it comes from a relationship with God. The Bible says that God is love. Okay, And so the love of God, that love that is within God, it is not a personality trait of his. It is the core character of who God is. It's not like one of his personality traits, one of his characteristics. No, God is love. In the same way, I am male. I am a man. That's not one of my traits. That is the core character of who I am. It is, it is the core foundation of who I am. I am man and I am spirit and everything comes from that place. In the same with God, God is spirit, but God is love. And everything, guess what, therefore comes from that place. So if God is love, what am I? <laughs> Dave is. <laughs> Tux is. Howl is, Tyrone is. If what came after your name, you were able to identify what is the extension, what comes after that. If God is love, then what am I? Because I'm going to be honest with you now. Sometimes I am this loving, passionate, sacrificial, romantic, warm-hearted, compassionate doctor of love. I am, sometimes, once a month. Other times, I'm a selfish, 
cold, judgmental, mean-spirited bloke. How many of you kind of relate with me? I kind of ebb and flow sometimes. Sometimes I can be full of love and sometimes I feel like empty of it. Why? Because love is a relationship that is constantly moving and it is constantly changing and it is often based on so many things. Sometimes my circumstances determine how I love. Sometimes my tiredness determines how I love. Sometimes my busyness determines how I love. Sometimes my priorities determine how I love. And it's amazing because you can be, you know, when you're dating before married and you're dating and like, wow, you go on an amazing date, okay? And you have an amazing day out and, you know, you're loving each other and you go for a dinner and then you go for a walk and then you go and see a movie and it's like, oh my gosh, I want to marry you now. <laughs> and then the next morning, like you text your girlfriend and say, hey, how you doing? And like, you don't get anything back. And then it's midday and it's like, how are you doing? And she's like cold back. And then she's like, should we hang out later? No, I don't want to. It's like, what's happened here? <laughs> How's it gone from one extreme to the other? It's, it's relationship, it's circumstance, it's busyness, it's priorities, it's tiredness, it's feelings, it's the emotions, all of that. And, and, and like Jesus is saying, he's saying, we have to kind of overcome all of that. And, and John is saying, and Paul the apostle is saying that we find out in a few moments that one thing, if there is one thing that you need to commit to grow in, if there is one thing that you have to prioritize on a daily basis, one thing that you have to value, and one thing that you have to focus on, it is your love life. Number one, with God. Number two, with yourself. And number three, with others. You have to prioritize every day your love life, because if you do not, you will find yourself and love will become a follower. It will not become the leader of our lives. In fact, Jesus says in that greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Like we get that. I know that. I kind of make sense. But love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's kind of strange. It's kind of a little bit confusing. Why would Jesus say we need to love our neighbor as we love ourselves? Because Jesus is saying we love others with an equal measure of how we love ourselves. Now, sometimes some people read that scripture and say, well, Jesus is basically helping you understand how you need to love yourself, go wild on yourself. And I understand people's theology around understanding and thinking behind that. But most scholars believe that Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees who were quietly confident about themselves, quite happy with how life was going, experts in the law, and quite proud, I suppose, and in love with kind of how life was. And so Jesus is saying, how much do you love yourselves? Quite a bit. Therefore, go and love your neighbor the same. Go and love your neighbor the same. And so he might be speaking to a group of people who have no problem when it comes to loving themselves, but I'm sure in this room this morning, there are a number of us who struggle to love ourselves in a healthy way. I say healthy because I think it's important to put that word on it. Because you can become obsessed with yourself. You can become fascinated in yourself. You can become absolutely obsessed with how you look and how you appear. And your whole priority becomes about you. 
And Jesus is saying, if you love yourself at that level, I hope you're loving your neighbor the same. But I think a healthy way to love yourself, and I think really what Jesus is saying is to not look in the mirror constantly to admire yourself, but to value you, to respect you, to honor you, to speak well of you, to treat you well. Because if you can do those things well of you, the Bible is saying, then you can therefore do that for your neighbor. But if you can't value you, you're gonna find it hard to value your neighbor. If you can't respect you, honor you, speak well of you, then you're gonna find it hard because equal measure, you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so my love for you comes from the love that is within me. I can't love you any more than the love that I have within me. So therefore, as I grow in the love of God and of healthy love for myself that is within me, what is that? It stores up love which I can then give to you. But I cannot give to you what I do not already have within me. And years ago when years ago when Pastor Paul Scanlon was leading the church, he, he preached a great message, which I'm sure some of you might remember if you were in the church back then, which said, my greatest gift to you is a healthy me. And he was trying to help us understand that, you know what, the greatest thing I can do for you, for my wife, for my kids, for my friendship, for the organization, for wherever I work, is a healthy me. Because if I am healthy, you're going to be blessed by the health that is within me. Because if I'm healthy in my love life with me, it's going to benefit you because I'm going to speak to you well, I'm going to respond well, I'm going to show fruits of the Spirit well. But if I am not healthy in myself, I can only give to you what is stored within me. So in these final six or seven minutes, what I want to do is I want to go really simple in this and I want to take us to a passage that most of us here listen to when we are at weddings and it's like we only hear it at weddings. But 1 Corinthians 13 tells us how to love. And I think 1 Corinthians 13 tells us how to love God, how to have a healthy love life in ourselves, and how to love especially others. 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation because I just like how it says. It says, If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains but have not learned to love, then I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. For love is large, and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements, nor does it inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. For love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. 
It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually will fade away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. And it talks about, for when I was a child, I spoke about those childish things, but now I've become a man. Paul is basically saying, it's all about how we love. And there is this running theme through the New Testament, which is your love life really matters. That our love life is our aim, that this is our motivation. Number one, where your love is large and incredibly patient. How patient are you? How patient am I? Sometimes I'm lacking in patience. How patient is God towards you? Very. Why? Because he loves you. And so when you've been offended, how quickly do you respond? You see, patient, patient love doesn't rush and react. But when you are patient, you hold things back. Can you be patient with God? Can you be patient with yourself? Can you be patient with your wife? Patient with your friends? Patient with your kids? <laughs> patient with your work colleagues? Because as you grow in patience, you become more like Jesus. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all, it says. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. You know what? You can hear the voice of love. It has a voice. It has a tone. Gentleness has a walk to it. Gentleness has a posture to it. And gentleness, I believe, comes from being comfortable with who you are. When you're not comfortable with who you are, you're always on edge. But when there's a comfortableness and a contentment in who you are, I think it creates a gentleness to those around you. How can I be consistently kind? Number three, love refuses to be jealous. The Bible says when blessing comes to someone else. You know what? Jealousy, jealousy is really ugly. It's really ugly in kids and it's even worse in adults. Because what jealousy does, it reveals an insecurity. When someone else gets engaged, it reveals our love life. When someone else gets promoted, it reveals our love life. When someone else gets an opportunity, it reveals our love life. And sometimes you don't see it in yourself because if I asked you, if I asked you, are you, do you get jealous? And some of you go, no, I never have that as an issue at all. <laughs> in the same way, sometimes when I asked you, do you always use your indicator? And you'll be like, yeah, I always use my indicator when I'm driving. But the people behind you know that you don't use your indicator. <laughs> They're called blind spots. There are blind spots in our love lives where we think we're doing great and where we think we're fine, but yet the people in our world would be able to define actually what our love life really looks like. Love does not brag about one's own achievements or inflate its own importance, the Bible says. I love this because we live in such a self-promotion world. And social media hasn't really helped. But we want to promote self and you know, repost positive things about me. I'll repost them and kind of elevate me and kind of promote me. For me, it's just not, I kind of like don't roll like that. I don't really like the feel of it. I don't really like the tone of it. 
sure, I'm happy to receive the encouragement, but I'm not sure then I need to kind of repost that encouragement to the world to tell the world, guess what? I've just been encouraged and helped and loved. <laughs> they love me. <laughs> it might be the business way, but I don't think it's the love way. You don't need to inflate your own importance. You're important without the need to pump it up. Let God promote you. Let God exalt you. Number five, love does not traffic in shame or disrespect. When news appears about someone, are you first in line to receive the news? What was that? Negative news, let me tell you. Let me hear about it. A few weeks ago, I remember there was a pastor who unfortunately made a mistake and unfortunately no longer able to lead his church because of a decision he's taken. And I remember the, the news was going, have you heard? I remember walking in and like four people tried to want to tell me this news. If I'm honest, it was a little bit sad. I'm like, this is really, this is sad news. And yet everyone seems so quick to tell me the sad news. And yet there's so much other good news, which often I never hear about. It reveals love lives where we don't traffic in shame or disrespect. If we love to hear the bad news, it reveals our heart. Love is not easily irritated, angered, or quick to take offense. I don't know about you, but drivers are getting more angry and angry. <laughs> Anger is a fruit of the flesh. It is not a fruit of the spirit. And I wanna say this this morning, if you struggle with anger, can I encourage you to get help? Because if you don't get help for your anger, anger always has consequences. And there is help to help you with that anger. There is a root to the fruit. There is a reason for your anger, but it never ends well. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. There is a purity to love where you speak truth to your wife, where you don't hide things, but you're transparent and you're honest, where you're open, honest and accountable with your friends. That is what love is like because it celebrates honesty and doesn't find delight in what is wrong. Number eight, love is a safe place of shelter. It's a sanctuary where you feel safe. Sometimes there are just homes that you go to because I know I feel safe there. Why? Because it is a house of love. There are conversations that you have which become conversations of shelter. Why? Because there is love life being exuded from that person. Number nine, love never stops believing the best for others. Let's never stop believing the best for others. And love never takes failure as defeat. It never gives up. And I think when Paul writes 1 Corinthians 13 and when Jesus speaks about the greatest commandment and when John writes about John in 1 John chapter 4, I think what they're trying to hit home to us is love is more than feelings. Love is more than just emotions. Love is a decision. And love is a decision that leads to action. Some people say, I'm really compassionate about this. If you are compassionate, compassion has to act. Well, I'm compassionate about the homeless, then do something with it. Well, I'm compassionate about poverty in our city, then do something with it. Because if, if you don't do anything with it, it's not compassion, it's just a feeling. It's a big difference. You tell me you love me, then show me. And if you're dating someone in here, 
and they keep telling you they love you because they take you on expensive date nights. Don't show me your love through expensive date nights. Show me your love with your attitude. Show me your love with your strength. Show me your love with your response. Show me your love with your humility. Show me your love with your kindness. Show me your love with your generosity to others, not just to me. Show me your love. Show me Jesus. When people look at our church, my dream is people wouldn't say, sounds great, looks great, got a great building. That is the clanging cymbal. Bang! No, but that they would say they are a people, a community of love, where they love God really well, where they have a healthy love for themselves and where they love each other really well. Let's show it. Let's not hide it. Let's not only reserve it for some, the exclusive few. Let's not just bring it out once a month when it looks good. No, the true sign of a disciple, Jesus says, this is how people will know if you are my disciple, if you love one another. A true true sign of discipleship is not found in your service, it is found in your love. It's not found in your gifting, it is found in your love. It's not found in your ability, it is found in your love. It's not found in your reliability, your consistency, it's found in your love. That is the true sign of a disciple. So if there is one thing to commit to growing today, every day, every week, every month, every year, every decade, every century, guess what? It's love. Where does it all start? Starts in your spirit and feeds into your soul, where your soul becomes healthy. And you walk and you walk in love and you grow in love. None of us ever hit it, but it's something that we grow in. Can we be the reverse to society? where it is divided and hated, but we can love. Last night, the sad news of the TV personality, Caroline Flack, who took her own life. And last night I was driving back from Norwich late at night and it's like windy and rainy and I'm kind of, I'm listening to the radio and they're talking, having a debate about how they think and it's their opinion in what added to that beautiful lady to take that her own life was people's, hatred on Twitter and social media and people's response to her and what they said about her and how she looked and how she acted and blah, blah, blah. And all of those things became so much pressure in her world that she ended up taking her life. And on the radio, they were saying, what is if we could just love differently, look differently, tweet differently, write differently, communicate differently, talk, don't snap, don't shout, don't respond with what the world, but be different. Let's love him with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength and let's love our neighbours as we love ourselves. Turn to your neighbour one more time. (laughs) Say, I love you. (laughs) And come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. We need to close.